What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions recruiting. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Zach Gary. At Zach underscore Barry. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit on three. Hey, buddy. What's up? How are we doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I, I, it's it's time. I don't even know who's in charge of it anymore. Um, but Twitter needs an edit button for tweets. Um, because just it's annoying. Not just for the fact of like, I'm very OCD and very detail oriented with things and how I go about my business. But also when it's an unfortunate typo, when you're having to deal with a three-year-old and you're trying to work at the same time. Um, yeah, it would be, uh, it would be helpful. What happened? Well, before we were ta- uh, before we hit the record button, we were discussing Demetrius Bell, the uh, four-star receiver from Nashville that released the top four, on uh i believe it was friday it might have been thursday um did a story on him latest intel all that you can read all that at omspirit.com put out the tweet today and uh i was talking about how he had recently um narrowed his list down from six to four 
which now it's Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Ole Miss. Um, the uh, tweet said sex and not six. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, um, lots of uh, well, not a lot, but had some uh, people that were like, huh? Well, three people on Twitter feels like a lot, but it's not. It's still, just three people. Uh no, yeah, but it's mo- it's mostly for me because it's like I go back and fix it. You know, I got to fix it, edit it, all that. But yeah, just make an edit button. Like at least give you, you know, what, like a, I don't know, 30 minute window to edit a tweet. Or just have an edit button like everything else. What is the yeah. update with Demetrius Bell on the Ole Miss side of things? Um, So yeah, narrowed it down to four. It was six before. Um, He's been, he's not a very talkative guy. He's very quiet. I went saw him play a couple weeks ago, but you know, conversations with him, others around Nashville. I don't think he really knows what he wants to do yet. I think he obviously has a good idea of who he's wanting to focus on with the top four. And I think that's a pretty legitimate top four. I don't think there's anybody else that will come in late or anything, but he says he still talks to Derek Nix every day. Um, Jock Upton, another staffer who's a Nashville, um, Nashville guy, um, also recruits him as well. Uh, I think that he is going to, I don't know if it'll be an official. I'll find out um, either later this week or next week. Uh, I think he's going to visit one way or the other, whether it's an official capacity or not for the Alabama game. Um, Cause after that it's, it's the egg bowl and that's around Thanksgiving and that, you know, can get dicey with travel um, when you're not local. So I think he'll be in town for the Alabama game, but um, I still think Georgia is the team to beat here. Um, even though there's a lot of buzz around Kentucky, uh, Kentucky signed another Nashville wide receiver last year, which Ole Miss fans became to know and, and really love in that Kentucky game, Barry and Brown, who is having a phenomenal season as a uh, true freshman for the Wildcats. Um, I imagine there's some, there's some back and forth there, you know, Hey, you're from Nashville. So am I come up here. We can play receiver together. Um, but I still think it's Georgia. Um, he was very excited for that offer when it finally came through. Um, when I talked to him, he uh, he mentioned that that they like him a lot. Um, my question for that is, and, and maybe Alabama as well. I hate to use you know, is he a take or not? Because I don't, I I legitimately don't know. But I'm curious if at this juncture that they're wanting to take a commitment from him right now. I don't think that means they wouldn't, but just right now. Um, And it's also something to factor in because he doesn't have a decision timeline set. So um, for all we know, he could commit in a week or two, or he's going to wait until the end of November or December. So, um, but yeah, Ole Miss is definitely in it. You can um, read the story at, uh, at OM Spirit, a couple quotes in there. Again, not, not very chatty. Um, I also spoke to him a night after they lost, so uh, also not in a great mood. He gave me some time. We talked a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Coach Upton, Coach Nix are recruiting him um, very hard. And, look, Ole Miss needs playmakers at receiver. Um, the recent signing classes, it, it's they're not getting it from some of their recent signees. They're having to go to the portal. Um, I mean, how would this offense look if they didn't have Malik Keith and Jordan Watkins right now? 
Um, what would it look like if they had Barry and Brown? <laughs> That'd fix a lot of a lot of problems. I, I don't know if Jackson Dart could overthrow Barry and Brown. Um, Jackson Dart's been really good for the last month. He has. No, and I, and I, I say that jokingly because um, he, you know, I know some groveling about the overthrow Domingo, but um, no, nah, he was, I thought he was good, possibly, you know, maybe slightly great on Saturday because that dude I did too. Yeah. got hit just about every single play and kept coming. Um, so yeah, he's, he, he's been, he, he's gotten much, you, you can, you can absolutely tell that he's more comfortable in the offense and is, is really starting to get his feet under him and hit his stride. Um, but yeah, they got to find receivers. They, they, they just don't have, you know, Braylon Brown has had the nagging injury with the, with the hamstring or the groin. I don't know which one it is, but he just hasn't been the same. They haven't gotten, you know, him to turn a corner at all. And then, you know, Jonathan Mingo just kind of disappears at times. And Jalen Robinson apparently doesn't exist. Yeah, well, speaking of hamstrings, I mean, the guy can't, you know, can't stay healthy. Um, you know, he was someone you got in the portal that everyone, you know, was excited about. And rightfully so. He was a big time recruit in the portal and was explosive at UCF. And it's just, it's, they got to get some playmakers. And Demetrius Bell is, a, is absolutely a guy that could, could come in and, and, and be a game-breaking, take-the-top-off-the-defense type guy. So, yeah, they're recruiting him hard. Um, I, I would expect them to try to get him to town for the Alabama game because, like I said, they're running out of time because they have road games, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're in it. I still think it's Georgia, Kentucky, then Ole Miss. He didn't really say much about Alabama when I talked to him. Just kind of, you know, I talked to my area recruiter. He didn't really say anything else. Um, not necessarily, you, you know, can never count Alabama out. That's for sure. But um, I think it's a three-team race between Georgia, Kentucky, and Ole Miss right now. Knowing what we know now about Ole Miss football, mm -hmm. which was the bigger miss, Barry and Brown or Jaheim Otis? I'd say Barry and Brown because I don't know if it matters if you have Jaheim Otis if you're still playing three-down linemen. Um, it is a different – type of nose guard though in comparison to JJ Pekis <laughs> and Katie Hill. If you're gonna play three down linemen, which Ole Miss is apparently going to do always, Jaheim Otis would be perfect at nose guard. Yeah, he's a monster. Um literally and figuratively built different. Um he is not of this earth. Um he would you know and that's not to slight him at all, obviously. He would absolutely help. Um I agree that Barry Brown. I, yeah. Yeah, I think Barry and Brown is because you can kind of let Mingo be that possession physical guy that doesn't have to, you know, run a go route every other play and be exhausted. You can just let Barry and Brown do that. Um, yeah, that's a good question, though. I mean, I Otis would absolutely – I mean, you want to talk about something for the future. I mean, they've already got Xavier Harris, who is also just a freak. I mean, you have those two guys. That's, that's not even fair. I do think I would take – Jaheim Otis, though, instead of Barry and Brown, only because this offense has proven it can move the ball if they can protect Jackson Dart and move the ball not only effectively but dynamically. Defensively was so yeah. bad Saturday. Oh, just one yeah, that's... monster defensive tackle. Yeah, and I know this is a recruiting show, but real quick, I mean, that's what I was telling people. I know that the the no second-half points and the second-half struggles is a, is a huge storyline, and rightfully so, but it was the defense. Um, uh, just could not do anything. And I know they lost two of their leaders 
you know, AJ Finley goes down, Troy Brown goes down. Um, I still, uh, in my opinion, I think Kari Coleman's still working back to a hundred percent. Um, that's not an excuse. I mean, I just think he's knocking the rust off and getting back to being full speed and all that. Um, I also don't think he's great in space. I think he operates extremely well at the point of attack, but yeah, he's had some big misses on some great blitz calls, a couple delayed blitzes in the Auburn game when Auburn basically what flipped that game, the scramble to the left when Robbie Ashford found the tight end when it was third and forever and Kari Coleman, perfect delayed blitz sold it, came through untouched and just completely whiffed. Um, you know, those are the, those are the type of tackles. Those are, those are the big plays you need. And I think if that, if he makes that sack of Robbie Ashford, Ole Miss gets a short field, scores, it's over. For me, the turning point of that game last week, and then we'll get back to recruiting, was Ole Miss had the ball 17-3 after the – they force a field goal, LSU misses it. They get down there, and they try to go tempo and steal some yards when the clock is running down, and it's almost the end of the first quarter, and they run a quarterback counter and get stuffed, and then they have to kick a field goal. I think if you – which, first of all, it was a design keeper – the motion man was Watkins. If you just hand it to Watkins, you had you had blockers out there, you had numbers, and all he's got to do is beat the safety to the corner. And you you definitely get the first down, you might score. I think there, if you go up 21-3, I think the offensive game plan for LSU changes drastically, and they're having to throw more and not, you know, kind of whittle you down with the QB draws and the the running back. The whole turning point was when the game was over after Jackson Dart threw the interception. That wasn't his fault. Well, apparently I haven't listened, but I had somebody tell me this. I mean, you you probably have, but Kiffin said that they were audibling out of something. And the I guess Micah Pettis was trying to relay the call to Casey Kelly. He couldn't hear. And so that's why he didn't stay in and protect. And that's why the guy came in untouched and, Dart basically had to just heave it as soon as he got the ball. Neat. Yeah. I also thought it was pass interference because the guy was just straight arm shoving Malik Heath out of bounds. Yeah, but Heath um, didn't really sell it at all. Yeah. Uh, probably the more egregious pass interference call was the one on Miles Battle. Like, what What are we doing? The ball landed in the second row. Had no <laughs> receivable chance it's just and i didn't even think it was interference i, I thought that was just your typical both guys are hand fighting but like even it, if it was, was there was no way that was catching oh yeah anyway yeah n- no one jamar chase um odell beckham jr standing on jarvis landry's shoulders doesn't catch that i mean nobody justin jefferson terrace marshall yeah early set. yeah Ooh, josh yeah. reed uh, what was the who's the guy that played for the Saints? Number nineteen, Dev, Dev something Henderson. I can't. Devery Henderson. Devery Henderson. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't pass interference, but even if it was, the ball was not going to be caught. That's what drives me insane. Yeah, no. I picked Jaheim Otis, and and I tell you about Jaheim Otis. It's not like Ole, I shouldn't say Ole Miss missed Jaheim Otis. The biggest miss, recruiting miss. That's not really fair because Jaheim Otis almost did everything it could conceivably do to get Jaheim Otis. Barry and Brown, yeah. there was just no beating Kentucky. Kentucky had decided, and Kentucky is sneaky awesome with NIL stuff, had decided that Barry and Brown was a guy 
that they were not going to lose. Well, and I think the, those two are different too because I don't as, – as, as close as it was, Alabama always was in the slight lead for Otis. He wanted to go to Alabama? Yeah, and he and he visited Oxford several times, and they just they they couldn't get him. They did everything they could. I think Barry and Brown. I don't know how long it was. I don't know how brief it was. Ole Miss was in the lead, and they were going to get him. And then Kentucky just said, "All right," and they just shoved all the chips to the middle of the table, and here we are. So, so what have we learned? Give to the Grove Collective. <laughs> yeah, talk to Walker Jones, the rest of the folks. Get involved. And then you'd have a Barry and Brown because Kentucky just decided whatever anybody else offers, we're going to match or do better. And they did yep. that. Give to there the you go. collective. Speaking of matching or doing better, that game Friday night, man. Seriously, that was probably one of the better high school games I've seen in a long time. Marcel Reed, Bryson Sanders going head to head. Yeah, hell of a game. Um, and then before that, Marvin Burks Jr. commits to Ole Miss. Um, talked to Marcel in pregame a little bit, told him um, he was pretty fired up. And then uh, didn't have a chance to talk to Bryson before the game. We uh, we chatted a little bit after, but, you know, like I said earlier, when you take an L, you're not very not very chatty. I, uh, I get that. I, I probably wouldn't want to talk to anybody after a loss when I was playing too. But, but yeah, great game. I did the uh, live blog. I think that uh folks enjoyed that. That was um that was fun. It was hell on my phone battery. Um, Marcel Reed was a four-star or is a four-star quarterback committed to Ole Miss. Back in the day, if Raymond Cotton, a four-star committed to Ole Miss, oh my God, the party <laughs> they would throw. And yet there's not this celebration of Marcel Reed, and he's a really good player. I've been sold on him since I saw him at the Elite Eleven Regional. Um, because he flashed that day, and that was when Nico Iamaliva was there. Um, there were some other. Brock Glenn, who's committed to Ohio State, was there. Chris Parson committed to Mississippi State. There was some big-time talent there, and he had a, just as much arm talent as, as anyone there. Um, and then, yeah, just seeing him in-game, you know, it's one thing to do it at a camp setting with no pads and no one chasing you. They've I, I posted this yesterday about how there was a lot of questioning his production, he didn't have a ton of, you know, gaudy stats. The high school he plays at here in Nashville, Montgomery Bill Academy, very pro style, very old school. They want to run the football, be in the eye formation. They're not doing that this year. Um, they opened the offense up for Marcel Reed, and they have a really good running back, Jonathan Moore, who's over a 1,000 yards. They still typically pass first, and – they utilize Reed's skill set and he gets involved in the run game as well. So I think it's a perfect fit for what Kiffin does, but he is absolutely, ha he has the arm talent. You saw it in the thread. If you're following along, Baylor goes up, they come back first play 72 yard touchdown, just an absolute dot, just dropped it in the bucket. He's really patient. He doesn't take off and, and just try to run for grass, even though he can, um, he still works through progressions, extremely well for a high school senior you don't see that a lot mostly it's a first read maybe a second and then you take off but but yeah he's he's really savvy in the pocket he uses his feet well um, I talked with Thomas Morris a little bit from QB country before the game and he said that just the maturation of his game on and off the field you know you see it with the production on the field but then on Sundays 
Um, he goes back out and works with QB country and gets in the, you know, as the kids say, gets in the lab. So he's, he's constantly working on his game and trying to get better. You know, we joke a lot. He, he knows he has to gain some weight. He knows he's got to get bigger, but um, the skill set and everything is, is, is there um, between the ears, the arm um, he can run. I think that Ole Miss fans should be excited about him. And I mean, they're probably, if not the best team in the state of Tennessee, they're right up there in the top three, nine and O looking to finish 10 and O regular season this week. And they're the favorite to win uh, the division two triple a title. Probably we'll see Bryson Sanders in Baylor school again down the road. If they line up on the same side of the bracket, if not in the state championship. So yeah, he's, he's fun to watch, man. He's a, he's a, you know, he's nowhere near as big as, as Jackson dart, but a lot of similarities with dart and corral with, you know, being able to, maneuver and manipulate the pocket and, and and throw guys open when they're not necessarily open. Assuming that Jackson Dart leaves after next year and assuming that Lane Kiffin's still here, Marcel Reed sits for a year. Does he get Luke Altmired or do you have confidence he could take over? Uh, depending on the body, but you know, I, I don't think that that's like a absolute limiting factor. It, it is a big step up, but a year in the system learning sitting on the sidelines next to Kiffin, you know, seeing the call go in, seeing the play learning under Jackson dart. I don't see why he wouldn't be ready to at least compete. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of a, you know, are they going to hit the portal again? Because I think we can all at this point, I think we can assume that Luke Altmeyer is leaving after this year. So, at, you know, at that point, I guess Kincaid Dent and the other walk-ons will be there. But yeah, I don't think it's out of the question for Marcel Reed to to be a you know a redshirt freshman or just a true sophomore and compete. But yeah, are they going to go in the portal and try to get someone else that's experienced to be a backup? Because that's a lot to throw on a true freshman to go in there if something were to happen to the starter. Cause I because I would think that that Kiffin and the rest of that offensive staff, Dane Stevens deserves a lot of credit for this one too that they want to get Reed in and to, you know, to groom him to take over in a year. I think as, as fans, people are the Trevor Lawrence effect is what I call it, where you think, Oh, this guy's a really talented guy in high school. So yeah, he could come in and play as a true freshman. Like, no, not everybody's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So it's, it's um, yeah. I don't think it's crazy to think that in year two, he could, certainly compete to be a starter in the sec. So yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. And then in 2024, you've got Walker white. I think that'll be a fun quarterback room in the future. Cause I do think Ole Miss is the favorite there. I think they um, are in a good spot. He still has a couple months before he makes a decision. Still think he's going to decide early in 2023 where he wants to go and get it over with. So he can kind of get ready and, you know, start building towards, going to the college of his choice and trying to build around him in that recruiting class. But yeah, I mean, come on, that's a, that's a fun quarterback room right there. I believe that Arkansas legacy doesn't go to Arkansas when he doesn't go to Arkansas. And you want to talk about somebody that passes the eye test too. Yeah. He's good. He is large. And he was at that elite 11 regional and he was just as good as any of the, the seniors that day. Yeah, Ole Miss is going to do whatever they can to get him. I'll say that because they love his game. I know the name has been thrown around, and you can 
laugh or scoff or whatever you want to do. And look, it's not a direct comparison. Let's, Uh-oh. but the the name that people say about him is Josh Allen. Now he's not nearly as tall, but I mean the dude is thick. Like he could play linebacker for Little Rock, Little Rock Christian Academy if he wanted to. I mean he is a large dude. His testing when he came for the camp in the summer was insane. I mean he ran a four five. Um, vertical was over 40 inches. I mean, he's, he's a freak. He's a, he's a monster. So they will do whatever it takes. Take from that what you will. They will do whatever it takes to get him in that 24 class. Chad Simmons, as we were recording this edition of talk of champions recruiting as a story on Demetrius Bell, again, reiterates Kentucky, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia as the schools recruiting him the hardest mentioned that he's close with Barry and Brown at Kentucky. And then as far as Ole Miss, what did he say? I feel like Ole Miss really wants me. Coach Nix is a cool guy, and I love their offense. I've visited three or four times, so now I just need to get to a game. I am working on scheduling that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Marcel Reed also helping out there, recruiting him as well. You can see that in a story. Talked with Marcel after the game. Uh, he said him and Bryson Sanders are working together to try to continue to build this 23 class. And look, I, maybe not by the ranking, Certainly, but Marcel said that he thinks this is one of the better classes in the country. And look, I mean, hard to argue when you got 10 four stars after they got Burks on Friday. I mean, this is a a deep class with a lot of top-end talent. So if you can add somebody like Demetrius Bell, that's another dynamic athlete to put in there with Marcel Reed and the rest of the offensive players. And yeah, but it's like we said at the top of the show, it's time to start hitting on some of these guys because – if you get Demetrius Bell, you need him to show up. You need him to play. You need him to play well. You need him to make those big plays that Ole Miss is, is lacking somewhat on offense in the second half. See, that's the one thing when you talk about Demetrius Bell or any of these other guys, we talk this exact same way about Braylon Brown and J.J. Henry and on and yeah, on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's doing it in high school is one thing, but you got to not only, sure, you have to do it, but you also, like, Got to get some development going. You played at St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the better high school programs in the country, and everybody wanted him. So what's, you know, I know I know we had the injury, all that, but at some point you got to you gotta start making plays. Burks was the 10th four-star added by Ole Miss. Their star ranking, where does that rank in the country? Because that's what we, you and I really pay attention um, to. I believe at the time of publish, it was 19th. They kind of stay in that same little average rating, 18 in average rating, 21st overall mm-hmm. in team rankings. So an 89.384 is the average or uh, the score of the class. <laughs> A nice little feature here, the average NIL worth is 41K which if you compare that to the number one class in the country, Alabama, their average NIL is 131K. Good Lord. Um, Texas has the, let's see, the the highest average NIL is, I believe, Texas at 262, which that's heavily inflated by Arch Manning. 3.4 million, so that helps. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. 
Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk of Champions is also brought to you in part by my bookie. You know football, and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single-game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over half a million to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag, and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie. I do like old Mrs. Class as I'm looking at it though. It's well-rounded. It really is. Like they they probably and now I think you can kind of look at where they are and who they have in the class and kind of figure out on your own who they're going to go for in the portal, because I think you've got two offensive linemen in this class. So I would 
venture to guess they'll probably try to get one or two in the portal because you've got two, Isaiah Miller and Bryson Sanders, both big dudes. I think Bryson Sanders, the plan for him is to play center in college, and he's played across – he's played all five positions throughout his high school career. So very versatile guy. And then uh, Isaiah Miller is a tackle, 6'6", 320. But then you look at where else they've gone. I mean, heavy on the secondary, trying to get those dynamic – athletic dudes that can play safety, come down in the box, help out and run support. You look at who they have in the secondary. They're all very physical players. Marvin Burks, 181. Maude Brown, 195. I'm talking weight here. Daniel Demery, 194. Very physical. Braxton Myers, 188. Guys that can cover, but can also come up and, and tackle you. This isn't just a, you know, cover corner only type secondary or a, uh, you know, center field safety type player. Like they're all very physical, very versatile. A guy that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. And I think a lot of it has to do with his high school was not having the best season, but Jamarius Brown is someone I think that people need to know. I think he's going to be someone that really pops in a couple of years. Super athletic guy, 270 pounds. They put him at running back some <laughs> and he'll, uh, Mostly in the red zone, but he has had a long run. I think he had like a 50-yard touchdown run this year, which at 270 pounds, that's insane. I mean, imagine having to tackle that. A lot and of you... business decisions being made. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of uh, – that's what I would do in like men's league basketball. Like I'm, I'm not getting in the lane. You want to go in for a layup? Have at it, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got uh, – Suntarian Perkins is obviously the, the headliner – Got to hit him. I think they will. Alabama's not going away, but he is a guy that will be a day one contributor at linebacker. And then Aiden Williams as well. That's a guy that Ole Miss needs to come in and compete and challenge people that are already there and to be a dude at receiver. And then um, Neo Avery, another guy, he, he had an ACL injury earlier this year. He's finally back playing for good counsel and is already – I mean, he had – like a David Pollock-esque interception in their game last week where he basically came through untouched and just took the ball out of the quarterback's hand as he was trying to throw it. That's a guy you need to come in and play. So, yeah, I mean, this class, like you said, very well-rounded. I think uh, another guy that's very underrated, Javante Connor. I think he has I think he has 11 or 12 touchdown receptions this year for an East Forsyth team that is undefeated, and they just blow everyone out. He's a guy that I think will will be a nice addition to go along with with Kyron Heath, both similar build, very athletic guys that can make that tight end position dynamic. Because look, I, Ole Miss is missing Michael Trigg right now, and I know he hasn't been as explosive or he hasn't contributed as much as most people would like him to. But him not being in the offense changes things because Casey Kelly. Very good at blocking. He helps out a ton in the run game, but he's not near the receiving threat that Michael Trigg was. No, so. it just eliminates some of the field, and they're so much slower, it feels like, pace-wise. Yeah, they get up to the ball really quickly. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of standing around pre-snap as they're deciding what to do. But it does seem like, at least watching it, that they're a little bit slower. I'm, I'm not saying this all because of Michael Trigg being hurt out with the collarbone, but they, they do look yeah. different without him in there. I, and I do think that that 
I'm glad you brought that up because I was talking about that yesterday with some folks. I think there has to be a marriage of going tempo and, you know, the whole idea of that is you, you steal yards. You you have a big play. I mean, the perfect example was, was the big play Domingo against LSU. Huge chunk yardage play. You get down, you line up, you run the football, you steal yards. Defense is tired. They're all running back to get set. And then you – hit him with a quick run play. Judkins slams it in there. You try to steal some yards. I think you need to be careful with that because, like I said, after the after the missed field goal, they had a chance to go up 21-3. You try to go tempo, steal yards, and you get stuffed. And I think you have to find that marriage of, hey, we're going fast, we're going fast, we're going fast, we're catching people off guard, but you also need to get it right. They're really bad after the script. No, for sure. I mean – Script everything as much as you possibly can. <laughs> Just script the whole game. Come script on, the whole game. It. This, These are the plays <laughs> we're going to run. Because I feel like when Jackson Dart has to think too much, that's when he gets into a little bit of trouble. And same thing with those redshirt freshman offensive linemen, offensive tackles. He had no time to throw. That was the worst game by far. For an offensive line that's been really good all year, but has yeah. struggled in pass pro. That and, really, and really good with guys that are being shuffled around and you've got – two freshman tackles. I mean, up until last game, they've been very good. But, yeah, I mean, I know the the completion percentage wasn't great for Dart, but I thought, I, he, I thought, he, had a, I thought he had a great game. Mm-hmm. Of the list of things you were concerned about or that you would attribute to Ole Miss losing in Baton Rouge on Saturday, he ranks pretty low in comparison to, like, offensive line, defense. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> ahead of him. If – if you're if you're putting the team in a room, and you're gonna and you're gonna really get after them, and and let them hear it, I think before you start that, you tell Jackson Dart, you tell Quinshawn Judkins, Malik Heath, and Jonathan Cruz, you tell them to go wait in the hall, because those guys came to play. Yeah, I think everybody else, eh. <laughs> you, you got to hear this, but yeah, I it, look. I know that he's going to get compared to Corral just because he's the guy after him. He wears number two. I'll say this. He played like Matt Corral on Saturday in terms of toughness. I mean, the dude was getting drilled all day long, and he never, never wavered. So, if anything, kudos to him for being tough. I mean, I know that that doesn't always win games, but, I mean, the dude showed some Matt Corral toughness on Saturday. Marvin Burks committed on Friday, and we haven't talked enough about him. Kind of what was his mm-hmm. recruitment, and who did Ole Miss land him over, for those that don't know? I put my prediction in for him back in May. I talked to a source that was really close to his recruitment, just got that vibe from them that, that hey, like Ole Miss really wants him. It's going to be a battle with Missouri, but Ole Miss feels really good about him. Uh, it was a collaborative effort with Chris Partridge, Sam Carter, Randall Joyner, basically the entire defensive staff recruited him extremely hard. It was going to be Missouri at one point early on in the year. Ole Miss flipped out in the summer, and then um, the momentum wavered a tad bit late Thursday, early Friday. I know uh, some folks were telling me, hey, we don't know. It's a toss-up at this point. You know, maybe lean Missouri just for the the in-state, you know, pull. Eli Drinkwitz was doing a nice job recruiting him. 
I think Ole Miss just kind of never wavered. They were consistent with their communication. That's another thing that I hear a lot talking with, not just commits, but with targets, is they talk about the consistency of the communication with the staff, regardless of position, whoever their primary, secondary recruiter is, Ole Miss is very, very present in this class and, and on the trail with how they talk to kids. But yeah, Marvin Burks um, came down kind of under the radar. Nobody really knew he was coming um, earlier uh, this month for an unofficial and got to see the game atmosphere, got to see the Grove, liked what he saw, had the home feel, all of that. But I think it was mostly Chris Partridge, Sam Carter, Randall Joyner, they were all just very, very aggressive and never, never stopped recruiting him, regardless of what people were saying about Missouri. And so that was why, you know, when I was kind of updating everybody on the board, I, I stuck with my prediction just because I just felt that that was going to win out. And, you know, we talk about following the visits and how important that is, but also the relationships in recruiting really stick out. And I think those three guys and then Lane Kiffin, jumped in and, and, and chipped in as well. And so when the head coach reaches out and, and, you, and you talk to the, to the head man, it, it changes things for sure. But again, just, just another secondary guy that is extremely athletic. He plays running back in high school as well. Probably closing in with a deep playoff run will probably end up running for over a thousand yards as a senior, but just a, uh, just a dude, uh, just a guy that that does it all and is really physical, can cover. I think you've got a nice tandem, him, Braxton Myers, Daniel Demery, you know, at that third level now um, with some guys that can really get after you. Ahmad Brown, I think Ahmad Brown might be someone that might grow into a strong safety type guy just because he's already close to 100 or 200 pounds, I should say. Could probably put on some some good weight and still be – as explosive but but yeah it was it came down to missouri and old miss um i know that a&m was was kind of lingering in the summer and then lsu was was trying to get involved as well but again i mean you have to tip your cap to the staff and and how consistent they were and that connection those relationships won out in the end what's your confidence percentage marvin burks is going to be committed to old miss all the way through and sign I'd probably say 80 to 85% probably right. in that range. Um, right. Let's do it with every single commit. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Suntering Perkins. Confidence percentage. Uh, 95. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I, Way I, higher than I Look, he, he loves Alabama. He's literally said it. But I think he wants to play for Ole Miss. I mean, I was going to say 88%, but 95 Aiden Williams. 100. Yeah, I'm pretty locked in on that one. I'm never going to say 100 in recruiting, so I'll say 98. Well, okay, 98. But, yeah, oh, he – 98 still seems high. 95 <laughs> seems about right. Look, man, it, the Aiden Williams thing, I mean, it, it was perfect for Ole Miss with just the yeah. connections with Mike Espy, Shea Hodge. Um, you know, he idolizes what A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf did – Dante Moncrief, Laquan Treadwell, like he knows about the history of receivers at Ole Miss and he wants to be the next guy. In recruiting, you always have to remove 5% no matter how committed and solid a kid is. It's the highest we can go. Because okay. recruiting, there are no guarantees. But Bryson Sanders is a 95. 
95. All right. Braxton Myers. Uh, I'd say 92. Jamarius Brown. 95. Neo Avery. 95. Marcel Reed. 95. Isavian Miller. I'd say 92. Ahmad Brown. Uh, I'd go 90. Daniel Dimery. 95. Javante Connor. 95. Skyler Man. 95. There's going to be no drama then. I, look, I think we talk about the the thorough approach that Ole Miss, how they go about their business in recruiting high school players, and we know they're going to hit the portal. So the ones that they have in their class, I think are guys that they've had conversations with of like, hey, you're a guy at this position. We want you. We think you can come in and compete, yada, yada, yada. So there's not a lot of like, all right, we'll take your commitment right now and see what happens down the road. Like, there's, there's not really a lot of that. Now, I don't know that for for certain because I'm not in those – I'm not in that room. I'm not in the conversations. But I do think you can tell by who they get and, and how, you know, thorough the recruitment is and, and how they go about doing that. And I think you can see it across all the classes they've had since Lane Kiffin's been in Oxford with – the, you know, they have the flips late here and there. They have those shockers they pull out, you know. But, I mean, these are guys that they've been working on for a year, two years. There's a lot of work, a lot of legwork, groundwork that's been put in. Um, so, yeah, once – I think they – I think the I think the high school guys kind of know, like, the deal. Like, once you're in, like, your spot, like, you're good. So, I think outside of – Perkins, Myers, and Burks. I I do think it will be somewhat drama free come December, come February. Okay, since we've changed it, where would Suntering Perkins be then? I uh, put him at a ninety three. Still Look, not man, going I, low ninety. I wish everybody was like Suntarian because he. I mean, it's literally like he has like you before you talk to him. Via text message, digitally, I have given him true serum, and he will tell me everything he feels, everything. Like, you see it in every interview. Like, he doesn't cater his answers to who he's talking to. He says the same things to me that he says to Joseph Hastings over at Bama Insider or Chad Simmons or Sam Spiegelman. Whoever it is, he always says the same thing. He talks about the respect and the appreciation for the recruitment by Nick Saban and Pete Golding but he also talks about how close he is to the Olmus staff, how much he loves going to visit there. And then, I mean, his cousin is Woodrow Hamilton who played at Ole Miss. He's really close with Dante Moncrief. And, you know, he works out with Mike Espy, Shea Hodge. He works out with those the devoted dreamers, the seven on seven team. He's really tight with a lot of the guys in the state, but Alabama is still going to try to flip him. Yes. And everybody's going to be scared. Yes. But both things can be true. You're right. He can respect and love Alabama and everything, the built by Bama model, but he also really likes Lane Kiffin and wants to play at Ole Miss and represent the state that he's from. All right. I'll put it on you then. All right. Yeah. He ends up anywhere else. Been, been wrong before, so it won't be anything new. Yeah, I was playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I absolutely agree with Zach, but I had to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit. Because you're seeing it over and over again. I mean, I think, I think on three wrote a story, a national story about potential flip watches. 
and one of them mm-hmm. was Suntarian Perkins. Yeah. One guy we haven't talked about, and pff, hard to get a hold of him, another guy that doesn't talk much, but Chris Johnson is one to keep an eye on. I've tried to reach out to that kid so many times. <laughs> he uh, He's talked to me a couple times, but – I think he's in full lockdown mode now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I I posted uh, on the Instagram. He was rocking some Ole Miss gloves at his game last week. Uh-oh, he had glove watch, drip watch. It's important. Um, How many times we've we been fooled by that? I think Willie Gay wore Ole Miss stuff. Leo Lewis, yeah. Nicobe Dean threw up a land shark in an All Star game with gloves on. Yeah, it, it happens. But um, another guy that does not hold back. He said, because Miami's been the favorite for months, and everybody just assumed if Miami wants him, he's going to go to Miami. And in an interview, I don't remember who he was talking to, but he flat out said, Miami is not winning games, and that's concerning. You don't hear that a lot from recruits. And I and, and I say that as someone who believes that wins and losses are not that important when it comes to recruiting. But you know, did you see pictures on social media of Hard Rock being completely empty, or Stanford being completely empty too? Oh man, I mean, if football is your greatest priority, then Ole Miss is far more appealing than schools like Stanford or even the U. Because I think yeah. attendance isn't just an Ole Miss problem; it's not unique to Ole Miss. If you look around the country, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. I mean, LSU. No one said anything about this, but Saturday in Baton Rouge, if you and when they panned out when CBS did, did the aerial shot. And look down, how empty was the upper deck, the upper levels? It wasn't full. It wasn't I was shocked full. at that. It wasn't full. I figured that place would have been rocking, uh-huh. jam-packed. It was rocking because it's LSU, but it wasn't rocking like it has rocked before. And I do – they won't They won't admit it because they won and, you know, they don't have to. I do think there was some nervous energy for that game. Because huh. when's the last time LSU, which I get, well, I guess last year, but you know, it, it hasn't been like that. Like Ole Miss has not been a top ten team playing an LSU team that is fighting for respect in a long time. I mean, I know there were some recent years with, you know, what twenty fifteen last year, but other than that, I mean, it's pretty much been twenty fourteen when Ole Miss twenty fourteen undefeated and lost. Yeah, but 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 like it's always been LSU is the favorite. LSU is 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 the is the hunted, and it was flipped on Saturday. So I do think there were some LSU fans that were a little nervous. That still doesn't excuse upper deck being pretty empty. The point is that attendance issues don't just apply to Ole Miss national media types to try to build a narrative, and in recruiting that plays, which is why they're going to want to get Demetrius Bell in town for the Alabama game because that is going to be as good of an atmosphere as there will be in the country, not just that week, but this year. And Chris Johnson is slated to, to be in town for that one. So would they take him and the Michigan state commitment? I think so, because they complement each other. Well, I think it's a, if you're looking for current player comparisons, it would be like a Judkins and a Bentley. Like Christopher Johnson is, is, is a track guy. He's literally one of the fastest people in the country in high school. And he did finally get re-ranked as a running back because he was listed as a receiver. He is the 25th ranked running back in the on-three consensus. On-three has him as the 17th running back in the country 
but yeah, I mean, he's a explosive with a capital E. I mean, he is someone that you get him in space. Good luck. So I think they would absolutely take him and, and, um, Riscano from, from new Caney, Texas, um, which another guy couldn't get a hold of him was not one chat. So that's one that everybody needs to just watch and to stay watching. Cause there's a reason why he just randomly popped up or seemingly random, randomly. That's the, uh, it's the once upon a time in Hollywood gif sit up out of the chair and point like, Oh, yep. That one. That game really did suck. Started out. I thought, man, especially after the missed field goal. Yeah. I was like, okay, this might might get danger zone territory. All the nervous energy I've been feeling had dissipated, and then, of course, it came <laughs> rampaging back. That sucked. Did they bounce back this weekend at Texas A&M? Yes. Okay. I was just about to say probably – now, they still could lose, but, like, this is setting up for a just perfect get-right game. Right before the bye week, you've got – an AM team that is reeling just lost to South Carolina. I, they're just flat out not good. They have lost three starters on the offensive line. Um, and then I reported late last night as I talked to uh, someone from Texas A&M in the on three network that they will also be without Chris Marshall, Denver Harris, PJ Williams, and possibly Anthony Lucas. Um, who have all been suspended indefinitely by Jimbo Fisher. This is a team that is really close to just completely unraveling and just hanging it up. And that's why I, as someone who has followed Ole Miss sports my entire life and now cover them, what puts food on my table is covering Ole Miss sports. I'm terrified of this game. <laughs> Absolutely. Because um, if they lose it, then there's yeah, some real problems. I also think just another layer, a theme to this game, not just the players that are lost to injury and suspended, but like this is a game where Ole Miss absolutely has something to play for. I mean, regardless of how bad the matchup is with Alabama. you Yeah, you have everything to play for. Nothing um, changes in that way. You just lost control of your destiny. That's the only problem. Which you can't control destiny by definition. Oh, but I, I my God. I know. <laughs> But, I mean, A&M, what, what do you have to play for? I mean, you I, the locker room is seemingly falling apart. You've got guys that are rumored to have quit or trying to quit or wanting to get into the portal. I mean, I've heard rumors that they had a bunch of one-on-one -on -one meetings with players to talk them into staying. Is this Texas A&M? Yes. Oh, I thought you um, said for a second there. I was like, what? <laughs> So, again, I think it's just a – it's something to where – and I and I was talking about this earlier. Last year, Alabama, hype out the wazoo. You had Lane Kiffin with the Get Your Popcorn Ready. Matt Corral and that offense were churning, and then they get tagged. You lose on the road to Alabama. Come back next week against Arkansas, respond in a big way, win a huge game get back on track. I think that's what happens this week. Also, what's what's A&M doing at quarterback? How's Haynes King? How's his shoulder, arm, or whatever? Did you see what happened in that game? Did you see what he did? No, but just tell me there's no one that can run at quarterback for Texas A&M. Well, no. Nobody on the We're roster good. can. We're good. We're good. Then Ole Miss is going to win. <laughs> this has been Talk of Champions recruiting 
Always fun, man. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely. We'll talk then.